0: I mostly just remember being so bored and like sad. I could cook, but I couldn't really eat the food that I cooked cuz I was nauseous all the time. And I didn't I didn't know if it was going to get better and I didn't know what I was going to do if it didn't get better. Hi, I'm Sarah Blaine. And I'm Evan Clark. Welcome to season two of The Humanist Experience, a podcast series that follows two intrepid young humanists who have left their homes, family, and intimate relationships for a humanist quest to engage with people, ideas, and experiences outside our comfort zone.
1: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Makes it sound just a a little
0: bit dramatic, Sarah. (laughs) We're, We're a little dramatic.
1: Oh, man. I guess we do live out of a car.
0: Yeah, that's kind of dramatic. But we only lived out of a car in season one. Now we live in a compact sport utility vehicle.
1: And we are complete failures.
0: We're incomplete failures, Evan.
1: All right. And we're striving for completion.
0: (laughs) Of our failures. We did fail a lot this year.
1: Let's see. We put our company at risk. We promised our podcast listeners we were going to travel the country for a year and put out an episode every two weeks, but we only completed five monthly episodes and we quit traveling after six months. Oh yeah, and we laid off an employee, we drained our savings, and went into debt.
0: hmm Those things are all true. And
1: our country failed at not electing a fascist.
0: Also at not electing a sexual assaulter. Or-,
1: or not electing the real-life Ebenezer Scrooge, who happens to live on Twitter.
0: Mhm. And so this two-part episode is about obstacles and failure. We're going to tell you our story of failing forward and we're going to make the case for the moral imperative of hope.
1: But let's rewind. For a minute and start.
0: <laughs> you know, we can clip that sound in. You don't actually have to make it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, no, no. No, let you do Doesn't it rewind. slow
0: down at the end? Like, first it's fast. <laughs> oh my god. All right.
1: So, let's rewind for a minute and start with what we've been trying to succeed at over the past year.
0: So, I'm going to introduce Evan Clark and Sarah Blake.
1: We run a company together.
0: Uh Sir Rob Lane and Evan Clark are humanist entrepreneurs whose projects aim to creatively transform politics and culture through humanist values. Their consulting firm, Spectrum Experience, works with companies, campaigns, and causes that share their values, including nearly a dozen humanist political candidates in Arizona in the 2016 election.
1: We speak professionally to communities all over the country about how to be more humanist. We actually earn a living by doing what we love, working on creating a world that's more compassionate, rational, and hopeful.
0: Yeah, our company deals in idealism. We're like merchants of hope.
1: And a year and a half ago, we packed that company into filing boxes and office supply drawers and threw them next to a bunch of camping gear and audio equipment. We crammed everything into every inch of our Nissan Sentra's 100 cubic feet.
0: Which was probably too much for it because rusty chunks of the car kept breaking off.
1: And the car was just over 200,000 miles at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So in our rusty chariot, we hit the road for this podcast project. for a little bit i yes. uh, I'm not, like congested So my ear is doing that weird thing does So I can drive a bit, But this is good uh, and also I need, I
1: need coffee too Our goal was to seek out experiences That would strengthen our skills at empathy And help us better understand people In circumstances different from our own
0: We wanted to learn from people At the heart of some of this country's Most poignant social issues And we wanted to motivate our listeners to take action.
1: Frankly, we had really, really ambitious goals. You may remember this from our first episode. Our next year will be filled with opportunities to walk around in other people's skin. We'll learn about the drought in California by living in a town that already ran out of water, and by spending time with the people living that reality. We'll discuss body shame and nudity, By staying at a nudist retreat with people actively challenging mainstream messages about the body. We'll bring attention to food deserts by eating only meals we can get from a gas station. Like the 23.5 million Americans who live in areas with no access to fresh food. Most importantly...
0: So we accomplished some of those things.
1: But this episode isn't about what we accomplished. It's about our failures.
0: And the case for hope.
1: But we're skipping ahead
0: not really we were hopeful at the beginning all right
1: hello all right howdy howdy hey i know that guy hi hey how are you i'm fine how are you you look great that's from the very beginning of our humanist experience trip back in 2015. We'd just put all our stuff into a storage locker in Arizona.
0: We'd moved my kids to Florida with my co-parent.
1: And we had just started putting together our very first episode. Our last stop was my sister's house so we could return the keys to the beach condo she let us rent that summer. Then, we were heading out to travel the country. I mean, there's a lot of issues I hear about constantly, but I only hear just data on it, right? You know, this many people are experiencing homelessness, or this many people are, um, you know, need nutritional help, or, uh, you know, don't get this type of education, right? But it's hard to actually understand what those numbers mean. And so we're hoping we can turn those numbers and into stories. And, yeah, ideally get people to understand the issue, but ultimately to do something about it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah,
0: we'll see. (laughs) So we hopped into the Nissan and headed east.
1: We spent a ton of time in that car.
0: Mostly in West Texas. Does West Texas ever end? It doesn't. It goes on forever. It's so long.
1: Oh so boy When we weren't driving through West Texas forever though Our days were packed with experiences
0: We interviewed Tinder dates in Florida and Arizona Whiskey <laughs>
1: Single pot whiskey mm. We attended protests This terrifies me a bit This is a mob and it's not well controlled There aren't good access roads to get in and out this is really dangerous if something were to happen.
0: Evan learned how to set up a tent. Okay. Yeah, so that's how you just tie it together. Okay, so it is like now out of the packaging. I want to look at the time because it says we can do this in two minutes. All right, it is 27, 28, 29, 30. Go! Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Oh God.
1: <laughs> we did panels and speaking engagements. All right, I'm at... Phoenix Comic Con 2016 right now. Hanging out and relaxing. It is 115 degrees outside. We just finished up our panel.
0: We went to Trump rallies and anti-Trump rallies.
1: For six months, we traveled all over the South and the East Coast. We slept in guest rooms with ridiculously comfortable mattresses, and dozens of pillows. We stayed in homes of an old college friend of mine in Houston, even a colleague of my dad in Possum Kingdom, Texas.
0: The Possum Kingdom is real. But we did not meet the Possum King.
1: We slept in the offices of friends in Baltimore and in a spare room of a friend of a friend in Washington, DC.
0: We slept on the floor of college students who had invited us to speak at their university in San Antonio.
1: We stayed with family in South Carolina and New York City, and we even crashed in the living room of a stranger Sarah connected with on Tinder, but never actually met in person. So, whose place are we in?
0: His name is John Bounds. Uh, he, when we were driving to Jacksonville from Pensacola last year, he popped up on my Tinder. Right. Well, thank you, John. So I messaged him when we were on our way back here, and he's not actually in town right now, but just. But we're on his (laughs) couches. Exactly. (laughs) People took us out to dinner. They made us home cooked vegan meals and said, help yourself to anything you can find more times than we could count.
1: It looked like we were going to have a wildly successful year. And then comes the part of the story where our intrepid young idealists meet their first major obstacle.
0: Dun dun dun! Whoa, that was a little bit much. That was awesome, that was so intense. Dun dun dun! But first! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! Dun dun I don't know, you've got so many to choose from. But first! word for my sponsors!
1: <laughs> we have some big news! Starting in our second season, The Humanist Experience is now the official podcast of the national nonprofit, Foundation Beyond Belief. FBB is a humanist charity that promotes secular volunteering and responsible charity giving.
2: We think that a lot of um, volunteering, both inside and outside the U.S., is actually pretty uh, unintentionally harmful in a lot of ways and so we first try to avoid those harms and then uh second try to put volunteers in place uh, who can have a positive impact and also train them to have that that positive impact
0: that's humanist heartthrob connor robinson the program director for foundation beyond belief we talked to connor about what makes foundation beyond belief unique
2: We're looking specifically at trying to embody the values of humanism in action for the world to see. But then also, we are, you know, really trying to wrestle with the questions of what it actually means to apply humanist values to service.
1: Foundation Beyond Belief is a natural fit for the humanist experience. Our podcast seeks to contextualize facts about social injustice. Then, through experience and storytelling, motivate listeners to act.
0: And Foundation Beyond Belief provides the network of humanist volunteer groups our listeners can connect with for action.
2: There are currently more than 125 groups. We've got, uh, we just had one come in, one application come in the other day from a group in Zimbabwe. As the official podcast of Foundation
1: Beyond Belief, donations supporting The Humanist Experience are now tax-deductible. You can help make Season 2 a success by contributing to our very own Kickstarter. We're trying to raise $10,000 by February 16th. Visit kickstarter.com and search for Humanist Experience.
0: After the 16th, you can support us through the donation link on our own website, www.humanistexperience.com.
1: Thanks for partnering with us and Foundation Beyond Belief to build a more humanist world. Well, that was cool. We just had an advertisement.
0: We're fancy.
1: Okay, so where were we?
0: Uh, somewhere around... Dun-dun-dun!
1: <laughs> right, so obstacles. Sarah has a fancy neurological disorder affecting her vestibular system.
0: It is called unilateral vestibular hypofunction. We think it's related to vestibular migraine.
1: And just to confirm, that's not the kind of migraine that causes headaches, right?
0: Right. It affects the vestibular nerve, which is responsible for the sensation of body position and gaze stability in relation to a moving environment. There isn't a great way to treat it, and when it acts up, I get vertigo just from minor head motion or high-pitched noises. Or moving lights. I lose my balance and do things like run into walls or fall down.
1: So I watched Sarah take these medications that suppress her haywire vestibular nerve.
0: Well, actually, they suppress my whole central nervous system. I feel tired and stupid all day, every day. And they don't even work all the time. I have to adjust the dose every few months as I develop a tolerance.
1: And this is where our story gets a little less hopeful.
0: What are we talking about?
1: I guess we can go back in time. (laughs) So when did you first notice in 2015 that your your body was changing?
0: (laughs) I was going through some changes. See, now you're being funny. Okay. When it hit you, you <laughs> I thought were That we were going to go deep. You were dying. <laughs> that life wasn't worth living anymore. Um I don't remember.
1: Last year we were in Florida for most of December and January. Sarah has a friend named Mark who lives in Jacksonville. He was a surgical nurse who worked late hours and slept during the day. And we pretty much had his place to ourselves while we put together our last podcast episode. And what was your experience
0: at Mark's place? I mostly just remember being so bored and, like, sad. Like, there was nothing that I could do I could cook, but I couldn't really eat the food that I cooked because I was nauseous all the time. And I didn't, I didn't know if it was going to get better, and I didn't know what I was going to do if it didn't get better. Sometime around Hanukkah, I started getting dizzy, and it just didn't stop. None of my medications were working, and I was running out of new ones to try.
1: Yeah, what's what's that like? Not knowing if this is something you're trapped with versus like, oh, I'll get through this.
0: It's scary. Because it means losing all of the things that right now for me make my life meaningful. And I think that people who live with really serious chronic conditions find new ways to make meaning in their life, but I didn't have those ways. So it was losing my ability to work, losing my ability to enjoy doing things with my kids, losing my ability to read or play music. And then, and you know, like that economic concerns too like i'm not going to be able to make money i'm not going to be able to take care of myself i'm going to be dependent on the goodwill of people around me and so i just like lost all sense of power over my own life sarah
1: couldn't move her eyes to use a computer without getting nauseous she couldn't drive She couldn't work or bring in new clients, which meant my workload kept growing and the money kept shrinking.
0: There was this pink wicker papasan in Mark's living room that I basically lived in for two months. I had a little nest set up where I stayed curled up, crocheting, visiting with Mark or listening to him play Chopin on his keyboard, sleeping and reading.
1: We stopped putting out podcast episodes because or I wasn't able to help write them or to have experiences outside the apartment.
0: I was so bored. Having quiet conversations with Mark was pretty much all I could do. I felt so useless. And because Evan was the only one of us working, our finances started getting tighter and tighter and tighter.
1: We thought about how to continue doing business as a humanist firm in these circumstances.
0: We always wanted to be the kind of company that valued people over profit. We wanted to work through problems rather than get rid of people.
1: I didn't want Sarah or anyone else to leave the business because of a chronic illness or disability, but if the whole company was going to fail as a result, did we even have any options?
0: This was when the, at what point do we quit, thoughts started roaming around our heads.
1: Did you ever think about when or how we would have to have a conversation about the future of the company?
0: Yeah, I mean, and we already had. I mean, so that like hangs in the back of my head like we I mean and like I don't I don't want to be selfish about uh about the company cuz if I really can't contribute I don't want to burn it down and ruin your opportunities, but I don't want to lose it myself either. Like, I love what we do, and I love working with you, and... But ultimately, I don't know how, I mean, we just, I think we just decided to keep talking about it. Like, there's no good way to know when we've hit the line where we can't keep trying it, you know, like.
1: And did you have hope throughout that process? No. And as we know from modern psychology, feelings of defeat can lead to depression, to lack of optimism to lack of motivation
0: I do like the idea that I'm giving my kids my values and they're going to be agents for good in the world and like if their experience of growing up is just having a chronically sick mom who has a meaningless life like i do, you know that i don't know how to so then it's like really what's the point of me at all
1: next time on the humanist experience
2: hope is a belief in the plausibility of the possible rather than the inevitability of the probable and what that means is that to be hopeful doesn't mean to be um, full of false hope or to be idealistic in an untethered way just believing that good things will happen just because that useful hope is the belief that what is possible is at least plausible as an outcome, and that what is probably going to happen is not inevitably going to happen. And so there is some chance that if we work hard, we can in fact change the outcome.
0: If you would like to support the Humanist Experience, you can find the link to our Season 2 Kickstarter at humanistexperience.com.
1: Once again, that's humanistexperience.com. That's where you'll find links to our past episodes and our epic Kickstarter.
0: As the official podcast of the national nonprofit Foundation Beyond Belief, gifts to the humanist experience are tax deductible.
1: Special thanks for this episode. Go to
0: our animatronic unicorn technician, Gustavo Youngberg, and our business development associate, Eric Zakalicious.
1: And we can't forget our producer, André Soleil at Unbelievers Media.
0: The Humanist Experience is produced in collaboration with Unbelievers Media and is the official podcast of Foundation Beyond Belief.
1: We're your hosts, Evan Clark
0: and Sarah Blaine, and we'll see you next time.
1: Electing the real life Ebenezer scooge. Scrooge, Scrooge? Scroo- scrooge. <laughs>
0: scrooge. Scrooge. That's just fun to say. <laughs> scooge. <laughs> say it with me, Evan. <laughs> scooge. Scrooge. scrooge. The
1: real life Ebenezer <laughs> Scooge.